Hello and welcome to the Chosen Daughter podcast. I'm Maz O'Connor, I'm a singer and a songwriter and this podcast is a series of conversations that I had with artists about their work, their process and creativity in general. In this episode I'm talking to Ellie Kendrick who's an actor and a writer based in London. We sat down to record this conversation about a year ago when Ellie was working on her first play for the Royal Court, Hole, which was on in January 2019. So I think it's a really interesting insight into her work and her process, and she also gives some good tips as well. So I hope you enjoy it. Yes, I'm being very conscientious right now, trying not to make noise. Hello, uh, I'm Ellie Kendrick. I am a, uh, an actor and writer and um, friend of Maz O'Connor's. I've known you, like, maybe nearly ten years now. <gasps> that long? Hang on, let's think. Yeah, nine. Yeah, nearly ten years. Wow. She's when we started uni. Good going. Nice. Um, yeah. Can you pass me my bag? Which she got my questions in. Of course. <laughs> there you go. It's great. It's all. It's all going so well. Do you want? Do you need me to do a little intro about like what I do? You um, know, a little bio. Well, you kind of did. An actor, writer. Yeah, you don't need me one? to expand. A friend of yours. And a friend. We can take each one of those. Okay, great. In turn. Um, no, I think I'm just, that's just my questions. Great. Rustling. Look at those questions. Right. So I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you um, about inspiration mm-hmm. and influence. Mm. First of all. So I don't know. It's interesting that you the way you introduced yourself was actor first. Yes, that's normally. If I'm if I'm meeting a new person, I'll normally introduce the writer bit, and I won't talk about the acting bit, oh. because I'm doing a lot of writing at the moment, and that's how I'm paying my rent, and that is what I'm finding really creatively exciting. Mm. But I'm also aware when I'm talking, you know, in a in a in a in a way that's in any way public, the thing that people are often most interested in is the is the actor bit, because I've done stuff which has been on TV and you mm. know in films and. Um, and so I suppose, in a public-facing way, I'm known mostly as an actor, but like privately, personally, and with my, you know, friends and in my creative relationships, mm-hmm. I'm actually more of a writer of right now. What you feel is more kind of of your life. Yeah, it's just what I'm doing every day, like all the time. Yeah. Uh, working on loads of projects and you know actively working on them, as in being paid to do that. But it's obviously a lot less visible because you don't see, you know the development process as mm-hmm. as an outsider all you see is the end product which mm-hmm. is what you know the you know then the most visible element of that is the actor so it's a funny one yeah like i'm more known as an actor but i feel more like a writer okay well i kind of really want to talk to you about the writing yeah great me too um so when we're when i mean influence and inspiration what was i mean like i suppose different things maybe let's talk about inspiration mm-hmm. um what because um, when I first met you, mm. you were doing the acting, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but we were studying English literature. Yeah. Was that, were you already writing at that point? Yeah, yeah. So um, I started, like, you know, like a lot of um, keen teenagers like, with writing poetry. And then I started writing theatre stuff when I did this programme at the Royal Court Theatre called the Young Writers Programme, which I started when I was 18. Um, and um, so I'd already kind of started wanting to try and write for theatre which is like has become my real kind of Mm. passion Um, although I now I write for TV as well Um, but yeah the poetry thing sort of you know died off a bit Um, but it was the poetry that kind of got you started writing do you remember was there a particular like writer that got you fired up well no I think I think my kind of first introduction to it all was like my parents they just uh, my dad especially would read me stories all the time from like when I like before I could read you know like obviously that's what you do to kids but like he you know if you're lucky enough to come from you know a family where there's like literature around and that's great I was um yeah I was just read to all of the time always encouraged to read my dad was always giving me books so and and my parents, God, my parents did English literature as well. So it was very much a like we love English lit in this household vibe. So although not, no one else in my family, you know, does any of the sort of writing stuff, you know, I was very aware of 
like the power of storytelling and yeah. all of that. And then I guess it moved into poetry because I've always been a bit pretentious and uh, <laughs> I like the idea of, you know, being really creative and playful. I did write short stories and things like that. Um, but I guess it was poetry was the first thing I had any sort of like external recognition for because I like won this competition when I was younger. And that was the first time when it was sort of like someone outside of my like family and friends at school were like, yeah, you're right at this. Do you and remember the first time you wrote a poem? Yes, and I still remember some of the because some of the lines for it. You, as a child, to to go on, I'm going to write a poem. Yeah, I know. What a yeah, what a lofty ambition. I actually think it was something that we had to do in lessons, and we had to write a poem about the seasons. And my parents find it so funny because mine was so pretentious. <laughs> I was like five or something, and I used <laughs> a lot of repetition in it. Um, I five. Yeah, I couldn't remember some of the. No, I must have been older than five. Because, no, no, I must have been, I think I'm flattering myself here. But I'm going to try and remember some of the lines. It was the um, poem of a five-year-old, um, you were in fact 11. Yeah, <laughs> sure. Uh, the, the, these are some choice choice excerpts, uh, which I'm hoping I'm getting right verbatim, but, you know, over the years some of it might have got fudged. <laughs> crocuses and daffodils, daffodils and crocuses, <laughs> blowing in the wind. I've got my woolen hat and my lovely knitted gloves and my Macintosh, my Macintosh. Is it really true? That the wind blows through the rain? Yes, my son. Yes, my son. It is. It is. That was... I actually think that's really lovely. <laughs> my parents find it so funny. They put it off on the bridge and it was like, get quoted for years. Aww. It was like a very... Like the double Macintosh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My Macintosh. My Macintosh. My. I, I'd really, I, think, I think somewhere I'd read a poem that repeated and I was really keen on like, pushing that as the sort of, you know, that repetition. But you wouldn't have any sense of, like technique yeah in your first poem i mean I'm, most kids would probably just try and make it rhyme you didn't see that it's free verse yeah i know pretty you know it was pretty advanced pal but um i don't actually i think i must have been older than five because that doesn't make any sense no so i think i was probably a little bit older but that that was my first poem okay. i'm really surprised that i remembered so much of it actually yeah well if your parents did tease you with it for years yes stuff goes deep. yeah but weirdly like i do see <laughs> mad as that like poem is I do see strangely a similar like thread in that I'm obsessed with rhythm even now, um, especially in the play stuff that I write. But all like dialogue that I write comes to me as rhythm really strongly. Like it's almost often before the sound of the words and what the words are and the meaning. I, I get a sense of like the rhythm and the pace of it. So even as a kid, I was obviously inter interested in that. I don't know, yeah. um, but it's a yeah. It's been a through line, I guess. Yeah, and do you remember? Um, is is there? Um, somebody now or several people now people that um writers that if you're kind of um not stuck so much but if if you're do you have kind of like a guiding light or people that are guiding lights that kind of keep coming back to you yes yes i do but i also have to be really careful because like as, and i don't know if you find this as well but when i'm writing i'm in a really really poor estate so i'm like kind of like consuming everything that's around me that is useful right. and I have to be really careful not to like just come straight back out exactly because if I just go like oh I'll go and read like not I again which is like for example yeah not I by Beckett is like one of my like like cornerstone mm -hmm. like texts that I will always go back to Thanks. yeah I'll always go back to that and be like oh I'm obsessed with that and you know I can always find something new from it but if I'm writing actually in the act of writing and I and I read that something like that, then I'll just it'll come out as like bad tribute Beckett stuff. Mm -hmm. So what I have to do is like I find I read loads and loads, and then I have to give myself a stop point, and then I go right. Sometimes I'll literally lock myself in the house for like a certain number of days, and I go in this amount in this amount of time I have to get the thing out. And during that time, I'm not reading anything else. I'm not going to any other sources. I'm not pursuing anything. Maybe I'm listening to music when I'm writing, but um, I try and make it kind of close it off because otherwise. Mm -hmm you know, I can go in all sorts of directions. And I think that's a really difficult thing to do, to put a stop to the research, right? Because you can go on forever, especially with the, you know, the way that we research now is on the internet, it's on Wikipedia, like, you know, it's on articles, it's on like a billion tabs that we open on our browser, as opposed to going to the library and there being a finite number of resources and all that kind of thing. So I think for me, I just have to go like, right, stopping this now, stopping reading, stopping everything and starting doing my own stuff. But yeah, in terms of people that I keep coming back to before that process, like Beckett, uh, Carol Churchill, um, a lot of a lot of musicians, um, tune yards I find really I love and will always go back to because there's like there's my favorite combination of like artistic combination of like mischief and rage you know like playfulness and and like political uh, heft um, which yeah. I I I find really I think is really important and it's a really difficult thing to get right mm. and then people like Bjork 
Arthur Russell, like kind of often musicians who are doing mad shit and pushing themselves in crazy directions, I find really useful to go to and go like, oh, how is someone in a very different field exploring an idea? How are they changing their form to adapt mm. to, you know, that's whatever message? That's a good idea in, in the sense of not wanting to um, accidentally plagiarise as well. Yes, if it's a, exactly. If it's a different form, you can draw from that and be inspired from that in a less direct way. Yeah, the most recent thing, so the thing that I've written, uh, not most recently, but like that's coming out, you know, the soonest is um, this play I've got coming on at the court, the Royal Court Theatre, um, called Hole, and when I was writing that, I was obsessively watching the Lemonade, Beyonce's Lemonade video yeah. album every single day, but it did some of the... The whole thing? Uh, the whole thing, every day. Okay. <laughs> um, and I was obsessed, I was like, completely obsessed, to the extent that like my mind was starting to work in the rhythms of that, of that album, and the the play weirdly <laughs> took on a slightly like formal shape, which is in some ways similar to the formal progression of that album, and turns of phrase obviously they weren't copied because I would be in loads of trouble but there are references all the yeah. way throughout that to, to what I was listening yeah, to yeah. and I guess that must be really interesting in like your work because obviously when you're writing like music which has folk influences you're calling on a huge like back catalogue of references that some people are going to get and some people aren't right you know mm. when you're like do you find that do you find that you're like consciously making references to things or that they come out even though you don't want them to or that you're like get back I'm not interested in engaging you know because of your history as a yeah. yeah yeah I, I think um I think we probably overestimate how much we're in, in control of anything anyway that yeah. comes out I think yeah what I think whatever you put in will come out mm. so if you're reading listening and you've grown up with stuff like that will come out in your work mm. um and you can train yourself to kind of be aware of it and and for me the exciting bit is when you can engage with that mm, and mm. be conscious of it and mm. play with it and mm. um, some of my favourite things to kind of use folk inflections mm -hmm. um, of certain like turn like ways of phrasing things that sound um, a little bit archaic mm. or have, have this kind of sense that it's not from now like a in a completely different way like Joanna Newsom did with Ease you know do you remember that album yeah, yeah. I loved that album when yeah, it came yeah. out like it seems kind of timeless when, yeah when you do that but but the subject matter is very now mm, so mm. I, I like that kind of playfulness and yeah get like kind of nice bits of tension but that's when I'm on it and I'm aware of it a lot mm. of the time it's probably not even aware of it I'm not even aware mm. of it um but um yeah, a lot of rhythm in all those people's work. Mm. That's cool. Did you did you always know that, or was that something that what the rhythm thing? Yeah, did other people point that it's out funny. To you or? It's a funny thing, and I'm sure you have this as a musician as well. Like, it's very weird describing your work. Yeah. Like, and people like to know you and your work as a thing. They like to go, oh well, this is what is it? Yeah, <laughs> and and I get that. I do that with other people. Um, I want to be like, well, I want, maybe I want to see the show. Like, what's it like? Yeah, like, what's the writer like? What, what kind of stuff do they do? Exactly, and it's horrible, like, exactly, what type of music do you make? Horrible question, or like, like never ask someone who's writing something like, what's it about? Like, it's just like the what's most, yeah, exactly, ugh, horrible. What's the other thing about? Yeah, 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 <laughs> but, um, and, but, but, but on the other side of it, like, valid questions, you know, people just want to know. So, with all of that got out of the way, it's hard, it's, I find it dangerous to talk about work that, that I make because... I start to second guess myself and like start like packaging myself and go well this is the kind of thing that I do and then then it makes it very difficult to kind of push out of boundaries but having said that I'm obsessed with rhythm I've always been obsessed with rhythm in many areas of life um I love dancing I love listening to music when I'm writing it feels percussive and that's just really natural to me as a way of making stuff it's like I'll do all I'll do loads of research and I'll do loads and loads of reading and I'll feel this kind of like, like, I'm sure you get this with your music, like a sort of itch. And I'm like, oh, I can, I, I've got, I got, it's like those, um, you know, those cartoons um, from like the 50s or whatever, when there's like that, that smell that the dog is like, the dog sniffs that scent and it like wafts it through the air. Do you know what I'm talking about? You know, there's like a smell of, of bacon coming from the kitchen, coming from the kitchen yeah. and, but, and, and there's just this like, there's this little kind of like waft through the air, which the dog sniffs and then it's sort of like elevated in the air and, you know, follows sure, the scent. This is, an, this is an audio recording. Yeah, doing I'm doing some real winding. <laughs> and anyway, I'm that dog um, sniffing something and not knowing where, not knowing where it leads, but knowing that I'm in a channel. Yeah, 
And then, so what happens is I'll do loads and loads of reading along that kind of channel and I'll be like, I feel like a sort of mag- magnetism pulling me towards things. I'm espe- I find myself just being especially interested in something. As in, um, especially interested in a topic? Yes, yeah, and so I'll do all of that reading and then, once I've done that, then the rhythm comes in. And then I'm like, so I've got all that and then I go like, right, barrier down, I'm in the kitchen now, time to eat the sausage. Um, <laughs> but um, this, this metaphor really isn't working, is it? But... <laughs> that's when I sort of let all that go, trust that it's kind of like, you know, been yeah, absorbed in me. Yeah. And then I go, right, now is the time to like chuck the brainy stuff out, see what's left mm. and, and make it come out via rhythm, via like, yeah, instinctively and, and in a sort of embodied way. Yeah. And I guess that also comes from me being an actor and me being very aware of how words are used when they're spoken and, you know, spoken from bodies rather than just um, existing, you know, as, so as write, on, te- on um, the page. Speaking? No, but I... I sort of like, I'm like nodding to the beat when I'm doing it. I'm like feeling have that Have you actually ever actually written to a beat? No, I often write with music. Yeah. I'll choose a playlist for like, you know, a, a project. And I'll be like, oh yes, this feels right. And I'll write, and sometimes it'll be like the same song over and over again. Like, like I'll be writing, and I would have played one song like 60 times or something, repeated over wow. and over again until I stop really hearing it. But it's like perfect for, you know, that particular moment. It makes it sound quite mad, oh, really, I guess. cool, I never knew that. Mm. Never knew that. Mm. That's really cool. Um, I feel like you should do. Um, you should talk to the royal court and get them to like put your playlist on. Yeah, Spotify. maybe. Yeah, I might. Would love that. Yeah. Come see the play. Go home. Listen to the music. It is a banging playlist actually, which I've made. So I'd be happy to share. Um, yeah. Um, so let's talk a bit more about your process then. Okay. You, you went there. Yeah. Um, I've gone there. I've gone deep. Um, so I, I like this idea of kind of you get this. Although, I like the idea of kind of getting the hit by the waft of the yeah. smell, um, but also it kind of does make, it kind of leaves you a little bit um, passive to an extent in the sense, at first, mm. in the sense that you're kind of waiting to be hit by an idea. Mm. Does it feel like that or are you seeking out ideas? Or someone I else? unconsciously seek out the ideas. So like, I'm always thinking, I've got to... I've got, to, I've got to come up with some new ideas. Yeah. But I find that if I sit down and go, hmm, like, I'll scratch my head and let me just, like, chew my pencil for a bit and think about this new idea, that is never the way of figuring it out. For me, it's always got to be what I'm interested in. I'm, like, quite restless in terms of my interests. I get, like, really obsessive about something and then discard it. Mm. And I've always been a bit like that, but now I use that as a sort of mechanism for making the work. So whatever it is that I'm really interested in, it will start coming out in conversations. I'll start, like going towards reading articles about a certain thing or picking up books which are about a certain thing and responding. So just give an example of like what the certain thing is. So, for, so mm. take this current project for example. Hold. Okay, yeah, hold, the Royal Court one. What's so, the thing? Okay, so that's a really difficult one to explain <laughs> because it's one. a mad thing. Yeah, I'll pick another one. Um, I'll pick another one because that one, that one's quite like tricky. So for example, the play that I wrote before that um, is an easier one to explain. So that was this play um, called Tabs, which is about like internet dating and a bunch of other stuff and intergenerational relationships, familial relationships, not like sexual ones. Although, could be, yeah, no. <laughs> uh, that's another play. Um, so um, I started to become really interested in the feeling that I was having. This was years ago, this was when we were still at university. In the feeling that I was getting when I was looking at a computer screen with like loads of browsers open like loads of um, browser tabs open and this feeling that I would get of like like being overwhelmed and kind of slightly panicked and I started to feel like my brain was doing something that I wasn't aware of Um, and so I started like uh, reading articles about what happens to the brain when you are you know when you're using computers and when you're you know engaging in multiple multiple different like tabs and then I started like buying books about it and then I started reading uh, and going and, and particularly responding to books and plays which used a kind of um, uh, a function of kind of switching in between things and um, like hopping backwards and forwards and this kind of like rhythm of um, of moving in between several um, several elements and musically as well like things which became kind of like jerky um, and so I was doing a sort of a lots of reading about what was going on um, like chemically uh, and biologically in the brain when like computers are being used and I was also being attracted to forms which were like restless and, um, and moving and continued like shifting backwards and forwards and 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 drawn back to this feeling that I was having like a personal feeling of like being overwhelmed by the world in my early 20s but also being like overwhelmed by the way I was accessing the world which was like you know by this 
you know, focus yeah, exactly, exactly. And so I just did loads and loads of sort of research thematically and you know scientifically, I guess. And then I went well, and formally, yeah, and formally, um, and just kept finding myself. All these things started to join up. It's kind of like you know, like this a sort of constellation of things will all start to come together. And then I'd be like, right, this is the thing that I need to write about. And so does that make sense? Do, yeah, it does. So when you're doing all of this um, initial kind of mm. research which sounds very instinctive and like mm-hmm. you don't know what the thing's yeah. going to be, you'll just be the smell. Yeah. I don't know what it yeah. is, but it smells delicious. Yeah. Um, are you, is that on your computer that you're keeping these notes? Is it in a notebook? Is it voice memos? Don't do voice memos. Um, it's often, um, <laughs> it's often, um, well, I actually can't do them on my little Nokia. Oh. We should talk about that, actually. Um, is that the uh, kind of end result? No play, but I don't really want to smartphone. <laughs> no, We're no, yeah. <laughs> No voice notes, but um, it starts off with a lot of research on my computer, and then I get overwhelmed by the amount of research, so then I have to try and condense it into a book. So I have a different notebook for every project that I work on. So I'll do loads of research, and I'll be like bookmarks, and there'll be all sorts of things, and then I'll maybe start to copy things down, and then try and condense them into some sort of form, and then condense them again, and then again. And then I'll stop, and then I'll start writing. Yeah, it's kind of like revision. Yeah, definitely. (laughs) Genuinely it is. And and I'm obsessed with deadlines, and... The coursework, all of that mm. stuff is, is like totally inherited from those structures that were drilled into us as like, yeah. you know, And do you keep students. the earlier notebooks or do they go? I, I keep them, but I would never look back at them because no. like, they wouldn't really make sense anymore. Or, or, or it'd be like, I always think that by the time you've written it down, you already know it anyway and it's already in there. And if it's, and if it's important enough, it will stay it will lodged in your brain. But it's interesting. To yeah, enough, exactly. But the act of writing it down and of choosing to, to write yeah. it down is the important thing rather than actually the writing itself, I yeah. think. Although having said that, for whole the royal court thing, it was really important to write stuff down because I was researching lots of stuff about like quantum physics and black holes wow. and things that I didn't know much about, and so I had to be, you know, I had to genuinely write stuff down and record, yeah, so that then when someone is in a meeting and is like, explain this thing in this page, you know, on this page, I have to be like, ah, oh, just wait a moment. Um, but that also like talking to people is really useful. I always like to to like hear from the horse's mouth or get as much experience as possible like I spoke to a really helpful scientist um, at Nature magazine when I was researching for Hole or when I was researching tabs that internet one I, I spoke to someone who'd done loads of online dating this was before tinder and all that stuff um, or like I, I wrote a tv thing about um, a women's boxing club and I went to this boxing club down the road a women's yeah. boxing club and I like, signed up and got lessons like <gasps> I really like being able to as well as doing all of the reading and the research I like being able to have some kind of physical interaction either with a person or you know with the thing that it is that's being done or whatever yeah and at what point do you start to um have an idea of what the play is going to be like what's the story or who are the characters or how I don't really is the story going to be told I don't really think like that uh, that early on the stuff that I've look I've only written like three plays and only one of them is getting made so I'm like it feels like very early to be talking about this kind of stuff because I've weirdly written a lot more TV scripts now which is a different thing because you're working within a different structure and it's less kind of playful in many ways um I don't know if I ever really know what the thing is about you know like I think that's for the person who's like watching it to decide and to take what they can I think you can only you can just it can only be the thing that it is mm. I remember I, I wrote whole on a um really brilliant writing group that I um, did at the Royal Court with um, under the sort of, uh, I guess, leadership of a writer called uh, Evie Crow, um, who's who's always been a bit of a writing hero of mine. She's great. And she always said, like, well, like, write whatever you want and you can't control, you know, whether people are going to like it or not, but what you, what you can control or whether is whether or not it's undeniable. She'd always say this, it has to be undeniable. Um, she would be like... You know, a play, she would say, like, oh, well, a play is like a person, you know? Like, a, a good play is like a person. It's real and there and irreducible, but it's, you know, it's a fact. It's a thing. It exists in the world. Right. Um, it's, it's, it's fully sure realised. Yes, exactly. Yeah. It's, it's sure of itself. And people might not like that person, or they might like that person, yeah. you know? Like, and it might actually be a boring person, but it's it's fully realised in, like, in, you know, in a kind of almost physical form, you right. know? Um, and I guess I really responded to that way... Of, of of um of thinking about writing because I'm always really nervous about people going like well what's it really about like that's always the yeah. question you get asked in development like what's it really about and I'm like well it is about this it is about this but I could describe it in I mean we studied English literature we know there are many different ways you can describe yeah. things and say oh well this is really oh well you know like um this 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 you know the nursery rhyme is really about you know the the death yeah. of you know this you know this French colonel that I've you know found yeah. an oblique reference to that it's you can a womb. yeah it's you can make you can make anything about anything um, no but if if 
it was easy to say what it was. You wouldn't need to make it. Exactly, exactly. And this is, again... Do you want me to just write you a paragraph? Or do you want me to make yeah. a play? Like... Exactly. I think that, like... And I remember speaking to a good friend of mine, Vivian Fransman, who's a really brilliant playwright, and who I've, I've worked on some of her stuff as an actor. And, you know, she was like, I don't like talking about my plays because the play is the, exactly. the, play is the thing. Yeah. The play is the... I've already said it yeah, in the play yeah, yeah. in the best way it could possibly be said. Yeah. So I think and asking what it means is, I mean, it's almost insulting to the thing because it's like just go and listen to the thing or see yeah. the thing or it. Don't ask me to describe it for you because it will just be a shit yeah. version of the thing. And limiting, like, like we don't limiting we don't ask that thing. about a lot of the time we don't ask that about music, right? Like people have really emotional responses to music, but they can be really wildly different. Mm-hmm. You know, some like uh, what's like for for some someone a song which is you know nostalgic and sad is for someone else like exuberant and exciting and, and or has associations or whatever. You know, we always connect music to our. Uh, to our past experiences and we, we hook we hook songs onto things um, and I think actually the way I uh, you know read stuff is often more like that it's like I'm I, I'll fit it into well not fit it into but I'll I'll use it as a sort of springboard in my own like world what like you yeah. know world experience rather than going oh you know this is this person saying something about this it's like this person is sharing uh, sharing their brain mm. and you can use it for whatever is useful. You know what I mean. And I get, but I guess, like as an actor, I'm also I'm really aware of how, of how many different meanings one thing can have. And from our, you know, studying yeah. of English literature, you know, one page of text can mean a billion different things mm. if said or read in a, in a certain in a certain way. So I'm always really hesitant to kind of, yeah, to kind of trap it. Yeah. yeah. But also I'm aware that it's necessary because otherwise you just got like rambling stuff. Well, no, ha- I mean you have to find a. Way- do, do you mean? Trap it to write the play, or to be able to no, talk about it. No, I mean trap it to be able to talk about it and go. This is what the this Watch is what the thi- this is what the thing is. Um, yeah, I I mean um, only so that you can maybe draw people to then go and see. The yes, thing. exactly. It's about packaging it, and uh, it, well, it goes back to us talking about what we were talking about earlier about how you talk about your art. Like when you're talking about your art. If you're talking about it, that means that the art isn't happening. Like, if you're talking about the art, if you're talking about your music, we're not watching your music. Yeah. We're listening to you talk about it. So it's in some way pointing us towards it. It's okay. a kind of, it's yeah. a, it's a, you know, you're advertising it in some way, which is like obviously uh, often a necessary evil. But I prefer not to have to do that unless you know okay. I have to. But talking about the process That's is interesting I'm tra- and useful. That's what I'm yeah, to. exactly. Well, I suppose what I was asking um, was when you were talking about kind of doing all this research, it sounded. Um, Although you're talking about doing the kind of um, thinking about the form mm. side of things as well, but it's, it sounded as though it was kind of a bit of um, uh, just gathering. And yeah. Not just. I mean, I'm sure it was very labour intensive. Um, but uh, it didn't sound as though it was with a playwright's hat on necessarily. Yes, and I think that that's important. Like, where's my character? Who are my characters? Oh yeah, no, I don't do that at all. I, it comes out. Yeah. I, I think. I think. There's a certain element of like I used to lucid dream a lot, and right. when I did, I really enjoyed it because it was like um, this experience of I can't do it anymore, which is annoying. But um, the way I would always describe it would be like um, my imagination is like the horse is at the front and I'm at the reins, sort of like trying to steer it. But sometimes they're going to do something, then it's not very well trained. Mad magic might happen; they might start cantering in one direction, and you have to know how much to control that, like that imaginative impulse, right? Like, how much to let it go mad and free and how much to kind of steer it. And that's something which I'm still really learning. Like, and, and it, you, have to, you have to trust your instinct as an artist because that's, like, the only thing you've got, isn't it? But you also have to... You have to know when it's the right feeling. Like, I'm interested in loads of stuff, but knowing what the thing is... Like, committing to the one thing to be interested in is, yeah. the, is the difficult bit. And when I do that... I'm, I, I can feel it happening. It's like, you know, the dog and the scent thing. I can feel it happening and it's really exciting. Yeah. It feels like falling in love or something. It's like... Yeah, because it's that thing of like, oh, I can stay with you for a while. Yeah, yeah. Like, it's the difference between being interested in things because I'm writing a musical at the moment, guys. And, so um, cool. But it's it's exciting to me because I still care about it. Yeah. And it's been months. Yeah. And I've done things before where I'm like, I'm still interested in yeah. it, but I can take it or leave it. But after a while. Whereas with this idea, what's exciting about it is that it's still got me yeah exactly it's, and it's like it's like an amazing relationship yeah for the length of time it takes to make yeah i fully expect this to take me years yes exactly and so you have to know like i want to commit to this because i'm i'm still like it's not just me ticking a box and going yep characters yeah got that done got that done it's like there's some there's a, there's something that 
there's something there's something that I'm going to learn about the world and about myself right. if I pursue this. Yeah. And I always write from that perspective of wanting to find something out and wanting mm-hmm. to like revel in an ex- in exploration rather than going, I want to say this. Yeah. Like, I want to get this said, you know? Yeah. Um, it's more like I want to ask myself and everyone around me this, yeah. you know? And, and what are we going to find out? Yeah. Who the fuck knows? That. And that's my favourite kind of theatre anyway is when I come away being like, I have so many questions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, like, well, like, I know what that guy thinks about Yes, that. exactly. Like, not mentioning <laughs> any names, Tom Stoppard. Um, <laughs> yeah. You know, and that's the most boring kind of theatre to me is like, yeah. a, you know, when what it's a lecture. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, cool. Well, that was... I love that. That was so interesting. I've learned oh, cool. a lot about you. Um, so can I ask you about like the um, the detail mm. of what your day looks like? Yes. Um, do you have like routines, habits? Do you do morning pages? Do you... No, I don't do any of that. I, I'm an obsessive um, scheduler. Like really obsessive, really, really organised with my writing in a way that I'm not, as you'll know, I'm quite chaotic in my normal life. I don't know. You've always got shit done. Yeah, but I'm like always late for stuff and I'm like always a bit like, you know... But because you're doing things. Right, yeah, sure. Not because you just... Sure. But at university, I would be like, I'd always miss deadlines. I'd be doing all-nighters. I was like, you know, on a sort of coffee-addled, like, mad, like, dash, with about three hours sleep at all times. Now, (laughs) it's a whole new world, Maz. Now, now I've got six different colours on my iCal. I'm, like, super organised. I don't even know what that is. Okay, iCal is like a calendar on your MacBook, which you have right here. Is that an iCal? Yeah, that's iCal. And you can have different colours on your calendar. And I have six different calendars with different coordinating colours. Different projects. Yeah, different projects or different... different, So I have, like, a TV one. I have a theatre one. I have a, like, um, life one. I have, like, all sorts of different stuff. Um, And I will... I'm obsessed with deadlines. I'm obsessed with, like... um, with and it's really facile but just that kind of like because my writing so isn't this of achieving the aim of getting it in on the right day right why is with, that um because if i didn't do that if i didn't promise someone i was going to get something in i would just carry on and it would get madder and madder and bigger and bigger and like become really scattergun i think i've also still very much there's still a part of me which is like a bit like dodgy which is very much about like like that nerdy kid at school who wanted to do well yeah yeah and I guess I found my way around it by using the bits of that which are useful which is like turning that into being good at deadlines and like chucking out the stuff which isn't useful which is like being obsessed with like the approval of one person's Mm. opinion whatever Mm. um so yeah basically I will schedule a lot and you have to like if you want to support yourself as an artist you have to get really good at that because it's one thing having it as a hobby and it's another thing going right I'm going to pay my rent with this so I'm like how many projects can I you know do I have time for how many you know also you don't want to let people down in a professional situation you don't want to go oh I'll give it to you this day and then you know three months later be like oh sorry you know so I'm really dedicated about uh, dedicated to my deadlines in case I hadn't made it clear enough already so I do a lot of that yeah no but I do a lot of that and and I I'm 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 a, I'm a, uh, on a real deadline jag right now because I will do it every few weeks and last night was a real was a deadline thing so I like sat down for like forty five minutes and basically planned my next like few months of like you know wow. what do I need to get done next when do I need months. to get yeah like maybe like next three months like what do I, when do I need to get it done by and then it's like right okay break it down so this week I'll be writing this this week I'll be writing yeah. this I can promise this on this day I find that so satisfying it's like Tetris yeah. and I love it I because try it but it never sticks but it sounds like you, you well, make it work well I think when I'm promising it the only way I definitely make it work is when I've promised is it to an employer have, yeah. and do you have are you like a serial killer with all the sheets all over the wall no 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 it's all on my computer wow. everything's on my computer and uh, I get all that done but it's like I'm still you know classic Catholic child really motivated by guilt so it starts with me promising <laughs> promising something which is a bit over ambitious but being aware that I sort of can um, possibly if I, you know, go hell for leather and then, then ignoring it and, you know, having a, like a lovely morning in Deptford Market and like going on Tinder and like meeting some like, you know, babes and then like having a lovely time for a couple of days and then going, oh my God, I can't believe I just did this. I feel so guilty. And then often I'll like make myself a really nice elaborate meal at like 7 PM. And then I'll be like, I've given myself so many treats. I have to do this. And then it will be like, penance. yeah. And then it will be like, exactly. I have to do some penance. And then it'll be like a month and a half, like working with no, you know, with no breaks. So how do you, how, how do you define the life work? difference um how do you stop i well i again like i have to like schedule in seeing friends yeah i also go to the theater two or three times a week and um that's like kind of work yeah but that's i do that yeah it's like how can i um make my social time 
also contribute yeah. towards my work. <laughs> yeah, of course. But I like love so, it. Like, do you guys want to watch a film? Can it be a musical? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Can I take notes. <laughs> exactly. But like, I think. Then you don't feel guilty. Yeah, I schedule in time. Like I'm, I've become really weirdly diarized about like all of that sort of stuff. So I'd be like, I'll know, I'll make sure that I'm making time to see friends because that's like yeah. my friendships are my most, the most important things. You know, the most important thing in my life. I'll make time for that. But also, like you know, I have a lot of friends who are also creative, and you know, mm-hmm. including you, including loads of our friends. So everyone knows, everyone gets it. If you're like, oh, sorry, mate, I've got a deadline, I can't mm-hmm. make it, then we're all like, oh, of course, stay the fuck inside. Yeah. Um, so I, I guess I don't really... I probably should draw that line more. Do you find it... Do you go on holiday? You know what? I have just gone on holiday for the first time in ages. I went to a cabin in Norway on my own for five and a half days on this island uh, with no cars, and it was amazing. But obviously right. I turned it into a work thing. Yeah, of course, then I got I that... I think that's a holiday. I think that's a retreat. Well, I don't know. It kind of was a holiday because it had been, been, like, two years since I'd written anything for my own pleasure, oh. not for, like, for someone or, you know, for a job or, you know, to pay my rent mm. or whatever. So I was like, I'm gonna. I've forgotten what it's like just to write for my, you know, do that dog on a scent thing, you know, and and to do it and f- for it just to be about the deliciousness of it rather than about how I package it or how I sell it or whatever. And that was amazing. I was reading like a book a day, writing. But of course, like I had to turn it into a productive thing. I literally set myself the task of writing a book a day. Oh, sorry, not writing, but that would be incredible. Yeah. Reading a book a day, and and I was sort of like, oh, well, I'll have to. I want to write something. Yeah. So I did go away then. Occasionally. Like, once or twice a year, I'll go away for, like, a weekend break, mm. you know, like, with a friend or something. Um, but, yeah, but I mean, not you very often. enjoy your work. Yeah, I, like, love it. I mean, yeah. it'd be, like, why the fuck would you do it if you didn't enjoy yeah. it? Well, this is true, yeah. But, um, but still kind of, it is like any other work, you do need to give your brain and your body a rest. Yeah. And I think burnout is... Yeah, it's a real thing, and I nearly got it early this year yeah. with all those deadlines. And that was why I went away to Norway. I was like, you know what, actually... Normally, I'd love to like hang out with friends and have like you know crazy parties, but actually, I was like, I just need to be on my own and like completely level mm. again. Mm. Um, but it sounds very similar to what I do when I go away. For, yeah, like, do you go away on your own a lot? Um, I have, I went, I had a similar thing where like I went to Vietnam to, yeah, I since went to Vietnam. Yeah. yeah, I went to see a friend and like we had fun times together, mm. but then she was working, so I would take trips by myself for a few days. Amazing, and I tried to resist. I like didn't take an instrument. I was like, mm. I'm not gonna. Mm. I'm gonna read and I might write in my journal, mm. but I'm not gonna take an instrument. I'm not gonna do any music. Mm. And then I was like, Why have I done that? Yeah. I'm sort of just sitting around being like, Oh, what should I do? Because so, it's your favorite thing to do, yeah. right? Like you forget. But it's like I it's, turned it into yeah. work. So then I thought I needed a break from it. Yeah. So then I went and got a little guitar lately and just had a lovely time playing because I wanted to. Exactly, and that's the thing that you've got to hold and on to. I thought, Actually, I need to do that quite regularly. Yeah. Because but, otherwise, it becomes. A task, or a, it's then difficult to not go to not start playing on the guitar and go. Oh, that could be. A yeah. Song. And then turn that into you know. I but the thing is, it could be, that. and that's okay as well. Like it's okay for it to then turn into something which you can use. But it has to come from. You have to give yourself space for creation it's for creation's sake. Yeah. And then if it turns into something, great. But like you have to turn off that bit in your head, going mm. like, well, how can I make the, make money out of this? Mm. Because you know, otherwise you're losing the reason that you got into it in the first place. And what the what the and hell is the point you, of that? Yeah, you but will run out of steam. Yeah, but I do think that you've got to go away to do that. You have to wrench yourself out of your associations because, mm-hmm. you know, for both of us, not only because of, like, you know, the friends that we have and, the, you know, lots of lots of our friends are also doing creative things, um, uh, like, we're always talking about it. We're always, you know, we're always talking about what we're working on. That's, like, the question mm-hmm. that we always get asked because we love talking about it. What are you working on? What are you doing? our friends. They care. Yeah. My heart sinks. Yeah, well, like, sometimes I love what it. What are you working on? I'm like, oh. I, well, it depends. <laughs> if work is going well, I love it. But I also love hearing what other people are working on. But then, yeah, you do need to get a break from it. And sometimes, in order to just create for the sake of creation, you have to just, like, wrench yourself free of all of those associations and go to, into a completely new space. But I find, like, an easy short circuit of that is going out and dancing all night. Like, that's the way to, like, cleanse myself. Oh, yeah. I'm, like, stressing out if I've got too much on. Like, because for me, that is a place of, like, like creativity but you can't there's no you can't there's no work that can come out of the dancing Mm -hmm. there's nothing that can be done from the dancing it's just you even if I'm listening to music I'll be like oh like this is you know inspiring me in a certain way or you were saying when you go to plays whatever you're thinking oh how can I turn this into whatever with books it's the same (laughs) thing you know everything I'm always thinking how can I you know get this kind of you know inspiration from this or whatever but going out dancing is for me so joyful because it's like a kind of a create a, a, like a reset on creativity yeah. well, like and a naff phrase but play. yeah exactly yeah. like going out with a group of friends dancing is for me like 
the best way to clear my head. And I feel it building up, you know? Yeah. Do you get that when you're like, I need a dance? Um, it's more like, I need to get drunk. That's interesting. And there might be dancing involved, yeah. but, it's, but that's probably because I dance anyway in yeah. a more disciplined fashion. Of course you do, yeah, yeah, yeah. Week, yeah. So yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Like, I need a dance. Yeah. Um, but I actually, dance has helped me hugely in terms mm. of getting balance in yeah. my life because like I so I do contemporary dance and ballet classes just because it is it is creative mm. and it does make me feel like I'm being expressive yeah um but it's also I mean I'm sure it's partly the physical kind of endorphins yeah and it reduces anxiety and stress and all those things and it's very mindful because when you're focusing on trying to do the choreography right mm. I really cannot be thinking about the song that I was working on yeah before. so it's a it's a real reset but also it, it's just another type of creativity that doesn't have to lead anywhere yeah exactly it's just for its own sake and it's just fun and it, it feels great and yeah so I'm so glad that I found that although typically for me it's like less wild and more within, within right. certain limitations yeah which is what I enjoy yeah like each to their own <laughs> yeah well I even if it's like a short-term thing you know if I'm feeling like oh god I've got a I've got to write this got to write this thing or like I've got this deadline and I'm freaking out and I get really logistical about it I'll just put on like some headphones right. and play show me love and then dance all around this cottage that we're in right now like really and and just like have an amazing dance and, like get sweaty and like I'll sometimes say it on repeat if I'm like yeah I need to carry on dancing get it out and then I go sit down and be like okay boom I'm ready it's a really good idea I, the slight issue with me is that I work in music yeah exactly so yeah it's hard to kind of sometimes I need no sound mm, that's the yeah. break yeah but, I can totally see that and maybe putting on I don't know though if it's so different from what I do yeah it probably gives me that same break about um showing your work to people mm. at what point do you do it who do you show it to what is that process like for you so this is something I'm still working out and I haven't worked out who to show my work to um I often don't um I will show my work to the whoever I'm collaborating with that or, with on that project mm. so and it will at the moment it's always within a kind of employment sort of uh, structure you know it's like you've paid me to write this draft I'm going to show you the first draft and then we'll talk about how to make it a better draft um, I haven't yet I talk about my work with people and I ha do have friends I send stuff to but they just don't end up reading it and I'm like oh thanks mate and like a really close friend of mine um, the other day he read something that I'd sent like the first draft of Hole that I'd sent him two years ago and he was oh like my God. oh my gosh this is really good I really like it and I was like right okay we're like three drafts on from that now so like your thoughts are irrelevant um I think talking about the ideas is more useful to me than showing the people the stuff um it, it, it is really private to me that process private in terms of like private to me and to the people that I'm collaborating with on that project so it's really important for me to engage my whatever if, if it's a script editor or a director I'm working with or or whatever that is a really important conversation but I don't. I haven't yet found or really found useful um, anyone who is outside of that that I've, I've been able to share my work with. I talk about it loads, but as you can tell. But um, um, but for me, it's normally just like shit. Oh, here's the deadline. I've got to hand this in now. Let I me send it to. You have a structure in which you can yeah. show things to people. It's it's not like you need feedback earlier on necessarily. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think feedback is a really tricky one you've got to be so mm. careful about what you show you and who guess? to do people ask you for feedback yeah and I love giving it I really love giving feedback if it's something that I like it's really difficult to give feedback if it's not very good mm. um, but if there's stuff in there it's really fun to do that but I found I don't know if I'm actually that good at doing it I don't know because I get really excited about the idea and I'm like oh yeah let's talk about it blah 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 and like sometimes people just want like this isn't clear this is clear you know do people kind of ask or yeah, because I think the difficulty with feedback is when people aren't clear about what they want in yeah. the feedback. So if somebody just sends you a thing and says, what do you think? Mm. Very dangerous. Yeah, really dangerous. But if somebody's like, what I want to know is, is this plot point clear? Yeah. Did you, is, is that what people tend to ask you? 
No, people can't have tended to do the former and have gone, oh, like, I love your thoughts. What do you think? But actually, often people don't really want your thoughts. They just want you to go, it's good. Right. Which I really don't want. If I, send, if, I, if, I, if I send my work to someone and they just go, yeah, it's great, really good. I'm like, oh, boring. I want them to either go like, oh, I was really interested in this idea. Let's talk right. about that idea. Or I want them to go, you know what? I didn't understand this bit or this wasn't clear. Okay. Or, you know, I think that actually... You know, I've been called out on my work before, and that's been amazing. Like when I did a workshop on Hole, working with a really brilliant actor called Susan Macoma, who was like, I don't know if you're aware, but you could be making a really sketchy statement if you keep this play in the structure that it is. Like with oh. doing the thing, beginning it in this way and ending it in this way. And I was like, Oh my god, shit, I'm an idiot. Did you ask for the feedback, or she just? Well, the workshop scenario set up for oh, feedback. Oh, it was like an R&D thing. Yeah, so it was like a, it was like three days of like right. getting actors in. And, and hearing their, their thoughts. And that's really, wow. really useful. So, like, that's the best way. Rather than, like, rather than sharing with a friend or whatever, it's, like, if, you, if it's a script, just getting a bunch of actors in the room who are all, like, who all have a bias towards each character mm. that they're playing and then going, like, hang on, this doesn't make sense or I really like this or this doesn't work or, you know, this goes on a bit and, you know, or the, the motivations of my character aren't clear here. That's really useful. Are there things that people say to you that you go, yeah, I see your point, but I don't agree? Yeah, loads, yeah, 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 yeah for sure. When is it that you, what's the kind of criticism or feedback that tends to be like, oh shit, you're right? Or is it just depends? Um, it completely depends. But often I get really excited about things and I'm like, oh yeah, yeah, this, this and this and this and this. And then I, there will be a vital step that's missing. Or I'll just try and make too much stuff happen at once or try and cram too many ideas into one thing. And people have to be like, okay, one idea at a time, <laughs> chill it out a bit, you know? So what's your, um, if you were to think of what, people might say behind your back like which they don't but like like the, the middle of the night you're kind of sweaty feet yeah. about what people yeah. think about your work yeah what is your insecurity what's yeah. the thing that you think people say i'll give you mine to be fair okay thanks. mine is like that they think that i'm like too girly that's interesting i have so many i don't even know where to start <laughs> my biggest fear is that i am um, i like who does this person think they are to make this statement their politics is shit like that is this, the thing that scares me the most. The idea of sorry about that is the idea of someone. People will say that of you. Yeah, of someone saying. How dare she? How dare she say that? I'm really, a, like, someone who has good politics. Going, you know, how dare she say that? Like, she's being classist or racist or sexist or homophobic or you know, or or like, or there's a real oversight here. I'm terrified of that. Like, yeah. I'm really scared with whole, for example, of people being, people being not just offended, because, you know, obviously different people are going to be provoked by different things, but like people some, going... You want some people to be offended, Yeah, right? exactly. <laughs> but, like, people who I really respect yeah. being, like, ugh, in the way that I've talked about other people, going, like, oh, God, that's such a basic viewpoint, like, or I can't believe they said this, or, you know, that is the thing that I'm most scared about. As, um, as in scared that you'll do it accidentally? Scared that I, yeah, scared that I won't have thought deeply enough about it and that my politics would be shit and I, I won't have realised. Yeah. Um... And I find that really, really difficult to avoid when I'm writing. I, there are so many moments when I'm like, oh, God, what am I saying by doing this? Oh, no, am I making a statement that's really bad? Like, I, I, so and then kind of censoring. Yeah, and it can be really stultifying. Obviously, it's important to yeah. do, but it can be stultifying to, like, a creative process, but it's a necessary step because you've got to think really carefully about what you're saying. Mm. Like, if you're putting a message out into the world, if you've been given the privilege of a platform, you have mm. to think very carefully about how you're using it. Um, so, yeah, I think the biggest thing that I'm afraid of is people going like, who does that, like, skinny, wealthy, privileged white girl think that she is? Mm. And how dare she, like, have an opinion about this? You know, like, it's so flawed in so many ways. That's what I'm most and terrified how about. You, how do you convince yourself to, you know, get back to the page? Um, uh, I just got the deadlines, exactly, I've got to. But yeah, but that sounds like the type of thing that would make you go, yeah, I'm not going to do it. Yeah. Who am I to do that? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, thinking really carefully about it, choosing collaborators really carefully and um and just like pushing on and going like, well, you know, thinking thinking politically about all the work that I make and going, Well, what voices am I platforming here? If this gets made, who's getting a say, who's getting silenced? Uh, you know, what am I because every piece of work that you make is a statement and the, you know, whether by silence or by, you know, noise, you're creating a political statement and everything that you put out there. So that is the thing that I'm that that it's keeps me up at night. Yeah, it keeps yeah. up at night, and I'm really scared about it all the time, all the time. You kind of need it to happen. <laughs> no, I don't need it to happen. Please don't wish it on me. I don't wish it on you. I'm sure you won't because you're great and you listen and you you really you care and that's you know all you need. 
but um, not all you need as into all you need to um avoid this stuff yeah is that if somebody does call you out you listen and you're not defensive exactly physical, yeah. you listen and you change it and you do care about not upsetting people that shouldn't be upset and that that's big because a lot of people don't give a shit yeah well i think the more it's a kind of a rabbit hole because the more you think about it the more terrifying it becomes but like white guilt is the most boring thing to read on a page yeah Yeah. yeah. and uh, what i always do when i freak out about this is i go back to audrey lord who's amazing on this so like that book sister outsider although now it's released in the well in a different form in the uk as your silence will not protect you i think that book is such a brilliant piece of work and it's so generous in the way that it writes about making art and whose voice is privileged and acknowledging your own privilege and all that stuff in ways that like it's kind of like medicine reading that stuff so if i am ever freaking out Mm. about this stuff and it's all becoming a bit like oh me me white guilt me i'll go back to reading you know um reading essays of audrey lord um you know yeah, oh, I can't remember what the um, poetry is not a luxury is a really brilliant one. And, like uses of rage and so um, these are all essays in that yeah fiction. like so and I think I might have sent you some of them in the past. I don't know, but um got sister outside of yeah right yeah oh it's so brilliant and really like r- like beautifully written like she was a poet so like it's like delicious the language but also she's writing about like feminism and power structures in a way that isn't like Judith Butler using like mm. three billion words in one sentence that makes you feel like you're stupid you know like it's super accessible and generous but it also is exacting you know she mm. she's she's really um very clear Audrey Lord about acknowledging your privilege and and your fears and your shame and your like guilt and knowing the face of those 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 shames and guilt and like calling it out to yourself and to other people I did. I had a year when I didn't get any work, basically. I was, like, doing a couple of, like, odd jobs here and there and, like, surviving on the money that I'd made and saved from previous TV jobs. And I didn't work... It was in my, sort of, early 20s, I guess. Um, and I didn't work for a year. And I thought, what an idiot I was to think that I could do this. How silly of me. <laughs> like, how entitled of me to think that just because... Yeah, exactly. Like, how... like. Why did I think I was special and that I could get out of it, you know, out of the working world that everyone else has to get into, you know, like, how dare I? And, you know, I was suddenly, like, struck with my own presumptuousness, which, to be fair, needed to happen because I had been, like, super entitled in the way that I was like, yeah, of course, yeah, I'm going to be an actor, I'm going to get jobs, it's going to be great. Um, when, I, when I left university, I was like, oh, I'm going to give myself two years and if I can support myself after two years and pay the rent with acting, I'm going to carry on doing it, otherwise I'm going to do a law conversion course and get into human rights law. Oh. Which in itself was a very lofty ambition, like as if that could just be done easily. Anyway, you could do it. I did. Su- Thanks, pal. Um, I did support myself for two years, and so I was like, "Oh, great! Yeah, this is my job now. This is my life now." And then about another year after that, no, like the work just dried up. I don't think you thought that that's how acting worked. Yeah, though. great. If, if after two years yeah. I've got jobs, then I will continue yeah. to get jobs. Exactly, and it's going to be a steady. Flow. <laughs> yeah, and as we're all aware, you know, it's a, it's a. It's an industry which is like riddled with sexism and also which is geared towards um, a certain kind of aesthetic, which I guess I don't really satisfy. Um, and um, I wasn't getting work and I was really down, really, really down. And I was in a relationship and um, my girlfriend at the time was being really supportive and kind. Um, and I really leant on her during that time. But I always felt I felt so low. It was like. Even getting up in, out of bed in the morning, I was like, "What? What? What's the point?" I thought that I was an artist, and I, that was so stupid of me to think that because no one wants, no one wants me to make any art for them. I was writing a play which had been developed, which had been developed at the Royal Court, and and that got rejected. And then an agent that I was working with said they didn't want to work with me anymore, and I was just like, "Oh God, this is the end now. This is shit." And I started applying for Teach First. Um, and like got quite heavily into the applications and was like, okay, this is what I'm going to do. Teach English. Yeah. Um, and um, then through that process, I sort of remembered why I was doing it and, and asked the question, because I started so young, you know, when I was like 12 or 13, 12, 
like started working professionally I, I was really obsessed with it from a really young age I'm really like you know um desperate to do it but then it happened quite fast so I didn't have to like strive for it for you know years and years and years in the way that you know many people have to so I'd never actually done that process of questioning and going like do I really need to do this why do I need, really need to do this what am I doing it for what exactly about yeah. it do I want to do exactly it? um and and the reason that I wasn't getting work I think partly was because I didn't know why I wanted to do it anymore I just thought oh this is my job and I'll carry on doing it and that process really was really was really instructive to me because I was like I still even even though I'm not getting any jobs even though I'm like I feel like I'm at the bottom and I'm applying for these different jobs and stuff. I still know. I still know that I need to do this. I found, like, at the bottom of it, like... like I didn't want to give up. Yeah, I didn't want to give up. I had to carry on. I had to keep on making... Even, and, and, it, and I had to have the rejection of all of the systems around me. You know, the rejection of the theatre that I'd been working with, the rejection of the agent, like, the rejection from the industry, and all of the, like, sort of teachers that I'd wanted to please, mm. you know, wanted to get the, the gold star from, all went, no thanks. And then I had to get... You had to find it for yeah, yourself. Yeah, and once I had all those rejections, I was like oh shit, no, I still really, really fucking want this and, and I want it on my own terms and, I want, and I'm want i going to fight for it. So like a phoenix <gasps> from the ashes. Like a film. Yeah. Um, and then there's a rocky one. Yeah. And then and suddenly... <laughs> suddenly everything started to get going again, you know? Um, suddenly I started to get more acting work. I got a new agent who you I'm with. you just putting a better energy out? Yeah, totally, of course. Because no one... When you walk into an audition room and you're like... Yeah, I'd really love to do this part. Like, please because give me the I job. Yeah, it. exactly. Everyone's I like, need uh, you no to thanks. Me. Yeah, exactly. And now, like, I've I'm in a and who knows how long it will last, but I'm in a really lucky position of like, I'm making work that I love and I'm getting paid for it and I know why I'm doing it and why I want to do it and it's political for me and it's important and it's like you know I've found great collaborators and like I say you know these things can change at any moment, but for now that sounds like an amazing foundation. Yeah. Hello, it's me again. I just wanted to pop in here to let you know that the music you're hearing is an instrumental version of San Francisco from my new album Chosen Daughter, which is out now. The album was produced by Matty Foles and you can find more information on my website. Thank you. Can you tell us where we can find you slash your product? Well, <gasps> my content oh, and products. Yeah, that's your interesting, projects. isn't it? Yeah, my projects. Well, that's just my malapropism. It's um, not really hard. Sure, very telling mass. Um, <laughs> so, um, uh, long like I'll try and condense this as much as possible. I'm not on social media for Whoa, like, reasons. Slow down. Okay, <laughs> I'm not it's on right. social got, media. Um, Are you not at all? I have a very limited Facebook pool. You do, but that's not of for friends. the public. That's not for the pubs. Um, uh, I um, I I'm not on Twitter. I'm not on Instagram. Okay. I have a, use that Nokia phone, which I should have talked about actually. It's been the most useful thing for my creativity ever. Part Di- two. Yeah. Because you've got to go. Not because I'm. No. Well. Yeah. Yeah. No. I have like a couple of minutes, but. Do you want to? I do. I do think it's important. Go on. Share with the people. I just think it's. <laughs> Listen, everybody. Because Sadie Smith also doesn't have it. Yeah. Smartphone. I just. It's the best Is that thing. No. Nope, it happened by accident. So, I ended up disconnecting from smartphone life by accident. I got my phone stolen. When I went on a night out and stayed out all night and had an amazing euphoric time dancing and got my phone stolen. I had to get a crap Nokia £10 phone the next day. I started using it and was like, why do I feel so amazing? I don't know. Um, and then I became, like I have, I now have an iPad, like a generation one like crap iPad yeah. that I can carry with me if I desperately need to, if I think I'm really gonna need to send an email, email today or whatever, but I'm only engaging with it when I need to. The rest of the time I have my Nokia phone with my predictive text so and I cause no, they just come out as squares, oh. um, and I'm so much more productive. I cannot tell you; it's unbelievable. And the the space, the space in my head for ideas, mm. is so much broader now. Like I just get stuff done more quickly. Um, I had to go back to using my iPhone over the weekend because my trusty little Nokia actually stopped working, and it was amazing how quickly I went back into being distracted, being unproductive. Like I'm now behind on a dead- deadline because I did but that. Does your computer not distract you in the same way? Well, I suppose if you're not on Twitter or anything. No, it doesn't distract me in the same way. What is no. it about the iPhone? Is it checking emails? It's because of um, I have quite an addictive personality in terms of behaviours. I get very like locked into something, and I will like keep doing it again and again and again. When I've got an iPhone or whatever, a smartphone, uh, in my pocket, and I'm checking it to see the time, and I see that there's a message on my mm-hmm. phone with a link, 
I will open it up. I will then see that there's, I'll follow the link and I'll be reading a page and I'll also see that I've got an email and then I'll like read those emails and I'll respond yeah. to some of them. Before I know it, I'm like sucked into this whirlpool yeah. of technology uh, and communication and, I, and I'm not aware that I'm doing it. I'm not making the choice of, yeah. to, to, to engage with it. I'm just sort of letting myself be ruled by it and then my brain sort of runs off on this, you know, on this channel and then I, before I realise it, like, you know, two hours ago and I've looked, I spent, I've spent, you know, like the last 20 minutes looking at the Instagram pictures of a stranger's holiday, you know, that I'll have to, one day I'll meet them and I have to pretend that I haven't seen them in their bikini. Um, <laughs> I like, don't even know how it happens. Yeah, exactly. And it's, so it's making the choice to engage right. with it, which is the really important thing for me. So, and also, I think that um, discussing things on, like having conversations and growing ideas on Twitter, for me is a really stultifying way of making creative progress because you're, well, as I've told you before, I'm really scared about what people, about, about, I'm really scared about making fucked up statements by accident. Yeah. Um, being on Twitter enhances that paranoia at that times like a tr like three b billion. Everyone yeah. is a f terrified of being called out. Yeah. In its in its most productive way, being called out is a fantastic thing. It's an act of generosity. Yeah, but Twitter but Twitter's not the place to do that. Yeah. And you're having things which are the are like like ideas are being supposedly shared under the guise of conversation, but actually they're they're public spaces where everything you say is up for grabs and a group of vultures can like seize on you at any time and yeah. because I've already got I've always got and that point out anyway yeah so exactly kind of adds to anxiety yeah. yeah totally and then you're thinking you end up designing your messages to uh, an audience of people that you don't know and you're basically creating your like outwards facing image yeah. for a group of strangers and trying to second guess them and that's like so not interesting I love growing my ideas in actual conversations with mm. actual people who are in front of me who I can engage with and oh, share not with. Are under pressure to have social media though? My agent is really great about it. She's like, no, don't have it if you don't want it. Um, to be honest, I don't think I'd be very good on it because I'd probably make lots of inflammatory statements and be like, fuck Trump! <laughs> and then, you know, I'd end up getting Your in an argument. Like, can you just, just yeah, tweet a bit less? Exactly. Because well, whatever you do on that is a statement. If you're silent about what's going on politically, that's a statement. Yeah your silence will not protect you. If you're vocal about it, you're making another series of statements. Choosing what you're vocal about is another, is another statement. You know, everything is a statement and all becomes work. Mm -hmm. Because if you're, like, if you're anything to do with, you know, an industry which is about, you know, well, any of the creative industries, really, part of your job um, will, if you have Twitter, be enacted, you know, via Twitter, via the connections that you're making. Your personal identity becomes, you know, your professional business card yeah. and so those that set of like slippery boundaries is really terrifying for me i so don't want to engage it out entirely cut out i would i will i will totally go on twitter sometimes like yeah. not having a profile so of course twitter creates platforms for people who won't get don't get given voices elsewhere and the whole like black twitter thing is mm -hmm. um like is a really beautiful thing that's come out of twitter like you know all of these brilliant discussions and ideas and viewpoints which are being grown and which otherwise you, you don't get exposed exactly because i've found people and movements on there that i'm like i'm so glad that i found yeah but then inevitably yes and that's amazing and then inevitably five minutes later you're going down a, a hole of like terror of being like oh god no what's going on and then you're like clicking down this like mirror hall of comments and people getting angry with each other i and... don't really do anything except post about my music now yes yeah. in itself troubles me yeah exactly but i'm like i'm just not getting involved in it yeah. Because nothing I can say in that many characters. And also, why should I? Like, what? Why yeah, yeah. need to know what I think about that? Well, yeah, exactly. Goes um, back to what I was saying earlier. Like, how dare this person have an opinion? Noise, like, yeah. And it's, it's just adding to the noise. Um, I would rather read other people's. And then I, I retweeted something for the first time the other day, which then was was pointed out to be not to me personally, but to like lots of people retweeted this thing that was then like massively called out a few days later and I'm right. like see fuck I'm never doing that again yeah. like, I knew I shouldn't do that exactly <laughs> like what you choose even by even when you're just by retweeting you know that in itself is a statement you're not like m most of the time you don't engage with it you don't like add any of your words but no, you're just you kind just of creating this it's funny yeah though. and then it's like well you, re you retweeted that but like what did you choose not to retweet and, and have you seen what else that person has tweeted yeah. five years ago exactly You've tacitly endorsed yeah. this statement oh that's like, my nightmare that's my all yeah. of that is my nightmare so I just don't get engaged yeah but what do you when you're um waiting for somebody to arrive or in a queue or the classic place where people just whack out their phones so quickly and I really watch that I try mm. not for it to yeah. be just the reflex but what do you do? Two things. Yeah. One, bring a book. 
Yeah. Read. Yeah, but, yeah, I know, but you don't want to just dip into your book for four Yeah, or seconds. two, thinking time. Just, <laughs> it's, Maz, don't laugh. for you. Thinking. It's actually really <laughs> important. It's really important, thinking time. That was another thing that Emma Crow, the person who led this, you know, this group um, that I was on at the Royal Court, you know, that was another thing that she was talking about. Like, thinking time is really important for us as artists. Like Just doing nothing time. Yeah, well, no, not doing nothing time. Cooking on whatever idea it is and going... Yeah. What do I think about that? Like actually sitting what down I mean and going. Do- oh, like actually sitting thinking down. Thinking about it. Okay. Just going. What I meant by doing nothing was like I'm not looking at anything. I'm not like actively doing anything. Well, I'm that's actually useful in itself in a kind of meditative way, I guess. I'm just thinking. Yeah, but but or just going, you know, let me think about this project, or let me think about why don't I think about like how I can be nice to my friend, or oh, what's going on with other people right now, or how I feel about this thing that's happened to me, mm. like. I've got so much more thinking time now I don't have a smartphone and I, I feel so much healthier think. for it. Yeah. Get I like, do it in my morning pages. My morning pages yeah. will, be, will be that figuring stuff out and being like, yeah. oh God, I haven't called that friend in whatever. Yeah. But I don't, I don't just think I should. Yeah, it's really good. It's made me feel so much calmer since doing that because if you don't give yourself the time to think about it, it's like meditation, I guess. And I don't meditate, but it's, I guess, something akin to that. If you don't make time and space for yourself just to think whatever you want to think, and you know, in a in a permissive way, um, that thought is just going to bash around inside your head and make you feel so stressed. And it's going to come out in a weird way if you don't yeah. just allow yourself the space to go. Ooh, how am I feeling? What's yeah. going on there? You know. Yeah. And and also ideas often just come from mm. those from those moments of, of quiet. There's a there's a, I think it's a story. Or so I remember some reading something Miranda July's writing when she she writes about like how how much silence we're always trying to fill. You know, like you know, when we're listening to music or whatever, as soon as we have a moment where there's silence, we're not speaking to someone, we try and fill it with yeah. as, you know, as many other forms of communication as possible. But I would definitely advocate for a little bit of quiet to yourself mm. and just going, okay, like, yeah, I, don't, I really don't mind if someone's late, I'll just be, unless I've got a deadline. So that's it. Um, slightly abrupt ending there, but we kind of, rambled on to each other for another 20 minutes or half an hour um, without actually saying the end or bye so I thought I would save you listening to that anyway thank you to Ellie Kendrick for talking to me thank you to you for listening and thank you to Greenwood Side for the help and for hosting the podcast so you can keep in touch with me on social media if you like I am at Mazo Connor Music on Facebook and Instagram and at Mazo Connor on Twitter you can't find Ellie anywhere on social media good fair anyway I'm going on tour I am coming to London Birmingham Bath Cambridge Barrow Sheffield Milton Keynes Cardiff and Walton on Thames more information on my website mazoconnor.com thank you bye